Welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez, with me, Arif Dean, on this beautiful fall Sunday here in Denver. There were so many sports on today, Arif. I had my hands full with how many uh, devices I had going between soccer, um, there was Eurobasket going on, we had the Rookie Showcase going on all weekend, which was exciting, we'll get more into that later in the show, and of course, um, some football going on. Did I say football already? But anyway, fall weather <laughs> means uh, hockey's only getting closer. This is the week, training camp is here, and uh, yeah, it's exciting. Even the Avalanche, the Avalanche were at the Broncos game getting honored for their Stanley Cup run. Um so yeah, Arif, how you doing? How's uh, how was your trip? And I guess at what point do you think these Avalanche players are, are tired of being praised for their Stanley Cup? Does it ever get old? It it does not get old. Absolutely not. I saw, I forgot who, where I heard it, or you know, because Avalanche players are being interviewed everywhere. But someone someone was asked something along the lines of, uh, "Didn't you guys all say you were all gonna attend, attend like each other's day with the cup?" parties and and the player was like yeah that was the plan but then you're literally never resting like you're flying from one city to the other to the other to the other to the other and then it's training camp um yeah so you know you think about the the keepers of the cup right i mean they have to travel with the cup you gotta yeah, they work for two months a year they sure <laughs> but it's just, that's just the, the travel that they have to go through has to be insane i mean sure yeah anybody intense, will take yeah. that job at the drop of a hat we all we all will apply the second it's available i don't feel bad for what they do but it has to get exhausting that's all i'm saying yeah like just think eric johnson's day he started in denver and ended in you know delmar like he he just his one day was in two places. So, you know, it, it gets pretty intense and you don't really get a day off because everybody's got to squeeze in their day, especially in a shortened summer. Um, but yeah, I don't think it ever gets old. I think they're enjoying it and they're going to continue to enjoy it because they're they're the friggin' Stanley Cup champions. They won the cup two and a half months ago. Well, if anybody should know how exhausting traveling across the world is, it should be you fresh off your uh, oh. trip to Turkey. I guess tell us a little bit about how, how that went. How'd you like it? And um, I don't know. Do we want to tell people the real reason why you went out there? <laughs> yeah, so I was out in Turkey for eight days. Uh, I, I spent eight days in Istanbul. The jet lag's a son of a bitch, by the way. It is. We're recording right now. It's 5.30 p.m. on a Sunday. This is the latest I've been awake in three days. It's been great. Yesterday, I fell asleep at about 5 p.m. I woke up at midnight to a call from Ryan Clark for whatever reason at 12 in the morning. And I talked to him for an hour and he's like, anyways, it's like 3 a.m. here. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm in Connecticut. I'm in the Eastern time zone. So he wasn't even in Seattle. So the dude literally just called me at midnight for some reason. He was so. experiencing some sort of jet lag as well. But yeah, I know. Yeah, probably. I tried to get you to watch um, some boxing with me. There's a big boxing match going on Saturday. <laughs> I responded like 16 hours later. I'm like, so what's up? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... I went to Turkey. I had an appointment the first day, which I'll share with everybody right now because I, I don't mind sharing. Um, but on my way to that appointment, actually on my way back, I had finished my appointment and on my way back to my hotel room, I was listening to 31 Thoughts. And I believe it was Jacob Verana of the Detroit Red Wings was on the show and he said something that we're going to clip into the episode that made me die laughing. So listen to that first and let's go from there. I think so too. Um, Maybe I keep it. You will see. I you hope know, so. Like I said, I had 40 good years of hair, and I would recommend everybody to keep as much hair as they possibly okay. can. Like I said, if it goes wrong, we can all fly to Turkey and buy it. You know, <laughs> they do it there. Can we awesome. get some? Jacob, thanks yeah. so much. Oh, no worries. So 
yeah, he made a joke about going to Turkey to get a hair transplant, which is exactly what I did. Uh, I have a little bit of a thinning hairline, and I've been planning this for a couple of years. JJ's always been laughing at me every time <laughs> I mention it. <laughs> he never knew I was serious. He did not think that this Arab was serious about flying to the Middle East to get a hair transplant. But I did do that. I did that about a week and a half ago. So right now I'm sporting a buzz cut, which I've never done in my life. I've never rocked the bald look before. So um, things are going to look a little bit different for me. If you ever see any videos coming up, because, you know, we do a lot of videos, my hair is going to look a little different for the next two to four months. But uh, I listened to Verona mention that on my way back and I literally died laughing because I'm like, see what I mean? And I remember I clipped the, I clipped that little part of the podcast and I sent it to JJ. I'm like, see, I'm not crazy. Like, this is something that's known. People go to Turkey to get hair transplants. So that's what I did. I did that for my first day. I had a day to recover. And then I had six days on vacation in Istanbul. And it was a blast. Yeah, I guess I never knew that that was an actual thing that people, uh, I guess, a common knowledge that, that everybody shared. Um, if I'm wrong, my bad. Um, but no, I think you're a brave man for even just admitting that, right? Admitting to everybody that, yeah, this is what I did. But uh, I think you're going to enjoy the results, right? Because it's all about having a, a more full head of hair. And if that's the result that you're going to get, I know you're going to be super happy about that. Because every single time we go to record a video, you make some sort of comment about your, your hairline. So I hope, because I'm just hoping those fucking stop. ice rinks, ice rinks are so damn <laughs> bright that the brightness just hits me and the half a bald head, half the thinning head starts to show. And I'm like, oh, and it's been getting worse since COVID. Oh man, it's been, I'm just glad I finally got it done. But I mean, other than that, Istanbul is a hell of a place to go visit. It's it's just it's a blast. No, I, I looked awesome from your tweets and uh, Instagram videos. Uh, I'd like to go visit Istanbul sometime. But um, I guess I have my own battle with graying hair. So what would you rather have, gray hair or balding hair, if you had to oh, choose I'd, one or the other? I'd rather have graying hair. If I ever have the graying hair look, I'll I'll rock the salt and pepper, the sexy salt and pepper look, George Clooney style. Hell yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, or even Jared Bednar, right? Yeah, Jared. Yeah, Jared Bednar. I mean, look at look at the last few Avalanche coaches. They start with black hair. They end with the salt and pepper. Patrick Wall <laughs> was the same thing. He came in looking healthy and young, and he left looking like you know Dumbledore, like he was done. <laughs> yep, yep. And then uh, you know, isn't that the thing with uh, presidents as well? Yeah, Barack Obama the was the same thing. Bush. Yep. The stress that comes with the position, but at least Jared Bednar gets to leave with at least one Stanley Cup ring, if <laughs> if he is ever to leave. That is. Um, but yeah, let's get into some hockey talk. After all, this is Hockey Mountain High. So um, glad your trip went well. Glad we're back and ready to go full steam. I mean, we're, we're not looking back from here. It's all... Really, really, really quickly, though, go, go, going back to Turkey. Oh. Um, something you and I are going to... We're going to talk a lot more about this because I think, I think it's time for us to kind of strut our stuff a little bit with our style in the press box you and i have talked a little bit over the years over about the things that we wear we've mentioned a couple times in the podcast last year about uh jared bedner complimenting my shirt or me complimenting his suit and stuff like that so one of the things i did in turkey because things are so cheap there and everything there is european brands is i completely revamped my closet i bought a ton of new suits a ton of new button-down shirts uh three-piece suits just like Jared Bednar, I can't wait to see if he credits me this time on my three-piece suit like I did with him pretty much all season. Uh, some brand new coats. Uh, we're going to look sharp in the press box, and I'm you know, I'm challenging you to bring your A game because these German suits that I bought in Turkey are, are A+. So you're trying to challenge my fashion with uh, discount suits that you get? There's another philosophical yeah. question for you. Is designer 
really designer if you got it on discount. It's not discount. It's it's <laughs> it's it's European brands in a country. Hey, it's the same reason why I got a hair transplant in Turkey. The cost of living there is so much cheaper that things just cost less. So, yeah, I mean, cool. I mean, that's the cool thing about Turkey. When when I was in when when I was in Istanbul, you know, I had a friend that came out from Detroit and met me there. Uh, if we got into an Uber and we rode 15 minutes in an Uber, I would check my app and it would charge me two dollars and twenty five cents. Wow. Yeah. Did they, did they have lime scooters out there? You know, you and I ripped those up in Tampa. Yeah, Bay. they they did have some lime scooters. It wasn't lime. It was called Bimbin, <laughs> B-I-N, B-I-N. But the internet was so slow that I couldn't get the app to download, so I gave up on it. I walked or I I took an Uber everywhere. And the Ubers were taxis, like the actual yellow taxis pick you up. It doesn't give you the option of like Uber, Uber XL, Uber Black. It gives you the option of yellow taxi, turquoise taxi, which the turquoise <laughs> ones are like bigger are like bigger trucks. Or you can just go on the street New York style and just scream taxi taxi and try to you know bring get, get somebody's attention but uh yeah the uber rides were cheaper food there was dirt cheap you know you can go to any restaurant get a platter and it's like four dollars you can eat for five people and it's like a 25 dollar meal with a tip um and if you leave like a four dollar tip over there no matter no matter what the price of your meal is you leave a four dollar tip you're a king the waiter is like literally like thanking you like you just made their day so things are cheaper there that's why suits are cheaper there's just the cost of living so I, I went a little crazy with the shopping out there and, and, uh, I'm challenging you and the rest of the press box who, what, what, what's left of the press box. I don't even know who the hell's working anymore, (laughs) but, uh, I'm challenging everybody and Peter and his yellow mustard sweater that he's (laughs) so in love with. Uh, I'm challenging everybody because this year is going to be great. Other than the fact that I'm going to have a buzz cut for half the season. Well, yeah, like I was saying before you challenged us all to address off that uh, it's full steam ahead, right? So I like it. Let's get it started with a challenge, a fashion challenge, and uh, make sure to, uh, I don't know, keep an eye out for our outfits, I guess. I don't know. Let's get into hockey. We'll, we'll, we'll take some pictures. <laughs> we'll, ta- we'll, we'll, we'll figure out something to make it cool. But yeah, look at, keep an eye out for our outfits. <laughs> okay, well... Um, now that it's it like is a hard training right camp, turn, hard, hard right, right turn. turn. Uh, we got to get into Evan Rodriguez, of course, because that happened in the last week and we haven't been able to discuss it. Of course, we're not trying to break any news here, but we're looking at how it fits the team. Obviously, I think everybody's excited about it. A last minute signing. Um, you know, they had the cap space. They kind of needed to to fill the void in the lineup. So your overall thoughts on the signing and, and how he fits in the lineup. Damn, the phrase overall thoughts makes me miss my boy Mike Chambers. <laughs> that was that was his go-to when he asks questions in the media conference room. Um, I love the signing. I know we we talked a lot about all the guys that were on the market and we usually mentioned, you know, Sonny Milano, Evan Rodriguez, who was uh, who else was there? Like Tyler Mott, Phil Kessel, Paul Stastny, blah, blah, blah. Um of the of the bunch, uh, you know, I guess I didn't really focus on it much in the moment uh, especially when we did the Chicago Blackhawks comparison I should have really focused on that Evan Rodriguez you know possibility or potential because like that is the perfect guy when I talked about the Blackhawks winning three Stanley Cups and all three times they had Brad Richards Michael Hansus and Patrick Sharp at center that was the exact kind of guy that Evan Rodriguez is because when the Blackhawks won their first cup they had Patrick Sharp at center 
and you know he was in like the midst of his prime and then they lost so many people to to free agency and they had to trade so many guys because of the salary cap crunch that they no longer had the luxury of having a strong second line center and sharp they had to move him to the wing because they lost bufflin and versteeg and andrew ladd and all these guys so sharp had to move to the wing and then when they won their other two cups they used a very old and you know at the end of his career michael hanzus and then an even older and at the end of his career brad richards they no longer had the luxury of a strong second line center because they had strong players on the wing they had kane they had hosa they had sharp and they had brandon sod how familiar does that sound the avalanche couldn't keep the luxury of nazem kadri because of a salary cap crunch their wingers are strong as can be with nachushkin lekin and rantanen and landeskog that now they just need to fill that second line center spot with a serviceable guy like Hanzus was for the Blackhawks, like Brad Richards at the end of his career. And is that not Evan Rodriguez to the T? I know there's the Alex Newhook effect and there's a possibility of him taking a step, developing it to that role as early as next month. But Newhook insurance is so real here. If you get Sonny Milano, you don't have Newhook insurance. You have JT Comfort playing second line center and you have Newhook on the third line with Milano. You don't want JT Comfort playing second line center. Well, now you have Newhook playing second line center. And if, and if he doesn't take that step, your Newhook insurance is the exact type of center that we talked about when we recorded a couple of weeks ago when we were comparing to the Blackhawks, except for whatever reason, I didn't really focus on Rodriguez being the guy. But it's such a smart, under-the-radar addition by Chris McFarlane and Joe Sackick and their staff, which they do seemingly all the time. And that's exactly what I was going to say next is it— it, it feels like every single acquisition, everybody's patting these guys on the back, whether it's Joe Sackick or Chris McFarland around the league. People are saying, wow, they did it again. And this time feels no different. I mean, I think it was staring us all right in the face. And yeah, we had brought it up a couple times. But to sit here and, and watch the Avalanche pull it off, I mean, it's not like it was an insane move, right? But it's one it of those so subtle, obvious. one of those subtle um, needles in the haystack that they that seem to be the signature of of this GM group, right? They're always finding the guys that, yeah, we think is a good fit and turns out to be a great fit. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of reminds me of Jack Johnson last year. That was a good uh, out-of-the-blue acquisition that ended up being pretty serviceable. Like, he played most of the playoffs after the Sam Girard injury. He was a regular in the lineup, and and this is another one of those guys. I mean, they just seem to find them. And, and you know, I'm talking and mentioning all this before we've even seen what Evan Rodriguez can do and if he's even going to fit in. But from, you know, just initial thoughts, initial reactions is how is this not exactly the type of guy? Because if Rodriguez, look, losing Kadri's going to suck. Like it genuinely is going to suck. And it's not just losing Kadri. It's losing Kadri in the role he played last season. Like, let's not forget he had 87 points. Let's not forget he was the top-line center for a while. Let's not forget that, you know, if if Kadri of 2021 played last year, the Avalanche don't have 119 points. They lose a lot of games because Kadri wouldn't have been as effective as he was. So losing Kadri and adding in Rodriguez, of course, is going to be, you know, it's it's a step in the wrong direction. Like, there is no... That there's no denying that. But what you're going to get in Rodriguez is a serviceable second line center that if he puts up, you know, he had 43 points last year, he's going to fit in way better with the Avalanche. Another good thing about him is he's is a strong two way game. And that's something that you know the Avalanche care about. They don't like to bring in one one way players. You know, but Burakovsky was the closest to a player that played a very one dimensional, not one way, but one dimensional type of game. And 
we saw it, you know, kind of reflect in the minutes he had and the fact that he didn't really have a big role in the playoffs at times. So you get the serviceable guy. If he puts up 45 to 55 points and he's a $2 million centerman, like what more can you ask for? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at his points, right? 19 goals, 24 assists last season. First time in his career that he's scored over 10 goals at 19. And then um, it's twice, two different years, he did have a good amount of assists. One year he had 20, another year he had 18. So this year with 24 assists, kind of that's the player he is. But with the 19 goals, I guess that's that's the Rodriguez, the Avalanche are hoping for and kind of expecting where does he slot in? What do the Avalanche kind of have to do? What do they build around him to kind of ensure that he's still producing the way he did last year and doesn't kind of regress to his his previous years? Of course, experience is going to bring that naturally, but you'd hate for him to take a step backwards. Yeah, I don't think he'll I don't think he'll take a step backwards because he's going to be put in a role with the Avalanche where he's going to be playing with guys that put up points like. The reason why he had a lot of points with Pittsburgh last year, especially early in the season when he was operating at almost a point-per-game pace, and then he had a little bit of a gap halfway through you know, the middle part of the season, the middle chunk, he did not do much. And then late in the year, he came on, and then the playoffs, I think he had three goals and five points in their seven-game series loss to the Rangers. So the reason why that beginning of the season was so well for him was because both Crosby and Malkin were injured. He was their top-line centerman. And he held the fort down. Pittsburgh was winning games. He kept them in the playoff race while they were waiting for their two top stars to come back from injury. He was playing with guys like Gensel and Rust, and he held the fort down. And it was very important for Pittsburgh to have somebody step up. So this is a guy that was relied upon to be the top line center on a team that's challenging for the cup pretty much every single year in the Penguins. It's a guy that's going to be relied upon to be potentially the second line center in Denver. Um and uh, the other stat for me for him that really sticks out is look how many shots on goal this guy had. You know, he didn't play top line center or second line center all year. He had to at times with injuries, but he had 243 shots in 82 games. That's about 80, 160, 240. That's three shots per game. When you look at the avalanche last year and you compare kind of his shot totals to theirs, Valerian Nichushkin was right around three shots per game. Landeskog was right around three shots per game. Kadri, Rantanen, and McKinnon were higher than that. So that's where he was. Andre Burakovsky, who's a goal scorer, who's a guy that's a shoot first, had 149 shots in 80 games. He wasn't even at two shots per game. So that kind of just tells you that this is a guy that doesn't shy away from putting the puck on goal. He doesn't shy away from taking shots, creating opportunities. He scored at a 7.8% rate, so he's not a 10 to 12% shooter, uh, which are, you know, one of the better, you know, the better scorers in the NHL are that high, but he's willing to shoot the puck. He's willing to put it on net. So, you know, to go back to your question, is he going to regress? I don't think so because he's going to be put in a position with the Avalanche where he might be playing with Nachushkin, Landeskog, Rantanen, or the other guy, uh, Lekanen. I'm always trying to remember who the four wingers are, or he'll be on a third line playing with Ben Myers and JT Comfer, who even last year, those guys were putting up points. My question wasn't, is he going to regress? I said you'd hate to see him regress. What do the Avalanche have to do to make sure he doesn't regress, right? I mean, he had a pretty strong, uh, I guess, uh, cast around him last year, right? Some pretty big names. He played all 82 games, which I think is a really good uh, sign. But from what you're describing to me, it almost sounds like another JT Confer here. So how do you ensure that it's not another JT Confer situation where he just kind of hovers around the third line and doesn't really grow his game? We need that second line center to be here in Colorado. How, I guess, what what do you think? Where Who does he play with? 
what what kind of uh, I guess opportunities do they give him to make sure that he's still producing? Okay, so let's let me answer your question with a question. If you're starting training camp, you're Jared Bednar. Who's your second line center? I think it's a it's a competition, right? I think you leave it up to competition between Alex Newhook, JT Confer, and Evan Rodriguez, and that's why I kind of like having a comparable to JT Confer because why not have a guy that pushes JT Confer or vice versa? JT Confer's pushing him. Yeah, I know JT Confer was strong when Kadri was injured because what was that? Kadri got injured in Game Three, so JT played Games Three, Four, and then One and Two against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which coincidentally Avalanche won all four of those games. Um, but to me, JT Confer as a second line center is a not option. As fucked up as that sounds, I love JT. If JT Confer, you're riding with him as your second line center, I don't like that idea. JT Confer's never had 40 points. That's something that Rodriguez has at least done once. And JT's had chances to be a second line center. There was that year where him, Jost, and Kerfoot were the second line, and then eventually Soderberg overtook them. So if you're asking me, the competition is Alex Newhook is your second line center. If he's not ready, Evan Rodriguez is his insurance. So what do the Avalanche have to do to make sure that Rodriguez's point totals don't drop is surround him with guys that put up points. So if Alex Newhook comes out and he starts scoring at a pace where this guy is going to be a 65 point forward next year, um, we love you, Rodriguez, but you're going to be playing on the third line and you're going to be playing with JT Comfer and Ben Myers. He'll probably get some power play time. And then also there's something to keep in mind. Injuries happen. Who's going to be your first call up to the top six when an injury happens? Is it going to be Ben Myers or is it going to be Evan Rodriguez? Likely it's going to be Rodriguez. McKinnon didn't play 82 games last year. Landeskog didn't play 82 games. Lekkinen, Nichushkin, they don't play 82 games. So when Rodriguez gets an opportunity to play in the top six, he's going to produce. If Newhook gets the opportunity to be the second line center and doesn't do much with it, he needs a little bit more development, and you stick Rodriguez up there, and he's playing with one of 92, 96, 13, or 62, then yeah, he's going to produce. That's ex- that's To answer your question, it's that. Stick him with guys that produce points, and it's the Avalanche's top six. Yeah, I mean, for the most part in Rodriguez's career, his best seasons, he's heavily shifted towards the assist side, right? His His assists heavily outweigh his goals. And on a team like this, especially with if you put him with a guy like Arturi Lekkinen, who knows how to score goals, Val Nachushkin, who knows how to put himself in places to score goals, I think Rodriguez is set for a, a career year as far as assists go. Yeah, I agree with that. And and especially if he, you know, you know the Avalanche like to mix and match the lineup a little bit. So maybe Nachushkin's on the top line and maybe Rantanen's on your second line. Well, now you have this pure goal scorer in Miko Rantanen, who had 36 goals and led the team last year. Now you have him on the second line, and that's somebody that you're feeding the puck to. Or maybe it's Gabe Landeskog who, you know, let's not forget, Landeskog had 30 goals in 51 games. Like, of all the players on the Avalanche, including McKinnon, including Granton, and he had the best goals per game pace. So that's a guy that if he's playing on your line, you're feeding the puck to him too. So I think his assists are going to be heavily weighed, um, which is really interesting because I just talked about how many shots on goal this guy had last year, so... When he has the opportunity to shoot, he can do that as well. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, he's going to be surrounded by guys that can score. Valerie Nichushkin, 25 goals in 62 games. Arturi Lekkinen didn't have a lot of goals when he first got here, but really picked it up in the playoffs. So tons of options for him to, to, to rack up those points. And spent some time on the power play last year. Yep. Seven power play goals, one power play assist. Do you see him playing power play too? 
Yeah, probably. Um, I don't know who replaces Kadri on the top unit. I would probably guess it's Lekkinen, maybe Nachushkin. But the fact of the matter is, I just mentioned two names, Lekkinen and Nachushkin. One of them is going to have to be on the second pair or on the second unit. And then you still have guys like Alex Newhook. You still have guys like Ben Myers, who is, who is you know, more of a pure goal scorer coming out of college. So tons well, of— Burakovsky was a mainstay on power play, too. That's the guy they got to replace. Yeah. So, I, again, Ben Ben Myers, to me, is the easy replacement for Burakovsky. I genuinely feel when the Avalanche acquired—when they signed Ben Myers, a 23-year-old college free agent, when they picked him up, it was with the idea in mind that this guy's going to directly replace— Andre Burakovsky in the lineup. And it shows as the third line winger because Burakovsky was was playing on that line where he was flanking JT Comfort. Now it's going to be Ben Myers. And on power play two, I think it'll be Ben Myers as well. Which again goes to the point that like maybe Ben is the guy that gets the first call up to the top six when there's an injury. Obviously, if it's Nathan McKinnon or or, or uh, Alex Newhook, if it's your centerman, yeah, Rodriguez goes up. But if it's a winger, Ben Myers is going up first because... That's a guy that they're going to be looking to to score. You know, this isn't an 18-year-old rookie. It's a 23-year-old. So like Alex, uh, who was the other guy the Avalanche brought in, Alexander Kerfoot, when he came in, he had 40-something points as a rookie coming out of college. I'm sure the Avalanche are expecting something like that from Myers. So tons of opportunity to play with guys that can put up points on the second pair and then obviously, or on the second power play unit. And obviously you have Devon Taves and Sam Girard likely going to get power play time as well. Uh, Bowen Byram as well. Shit, man. They got more defensemen that can put up points now that, you know, you're going to be shuffling a lot of deck chairs, but he's going to be playing with guys on the power play and at even strength that can put up points. And like I kind of alluded to when you asked me the the question about going into training camp, there's a lot of competition, not only at the second center role, but kind of up and down the lineup. And I mean, there's somebody to push for your job in every single position that feels like that. It's naturally going to just create a stronger lineup uh, from top to bottom. And I think that's a very Jared Bednar-esque mindset, right? He loves to reward hard work. He loves to reward people when they're doing things right. And what better way to hold people accountable than to have somebody breathing down your neck the entire year? And also, it provides the uh, the insurance for injuries, just having this many guys. But I love the group that they're going into uh, training camp with right now. Yeah, like if you look at, look, let's look at the top four wingers. Landeskog, Rantanen, Lekkinen, and Nichushkin. That's going to be a competition in itself. Who are the two guys that are going to play with McKinnon? Who are the two guys that are going to play on the second line? I know, obviously, in the playoffs, Bednar had a kind of method to his madness with Kadri and with McKinnon and who their wingers are. But two of those guys are going to get to play with McKinnon, which means more points, more opportunities. Two of them are going to be playing on a line with a centerman like, let's say, Rodriguez or a young Alex Newhook, where they're going to be relied on to lead the line, not necessarily you know, rely on Nathan McKinnon. So that's a competition. Then you go to the center spot. We just talked about it. Evan Rodriguez. Alex Newhook, like you said, JT Confer as well. You know, just because my opinion is JT Confer shouldn't be your second line center doesn't mean Jared's not going to give him that opportunity. If he sticks out, he's the guy. Then you have your third line right winger who I'm talking about in Ben Myers. Well, who's the fourth line right winger? Logan O'Connor. That's the guy that could play on the third line in a pinch really easily. You know he's going to want to be there. So that's a guy that's going to be challenging for it. Then on the other side, you have Andrew Cogliano. You know he's going to want to step into the top nine if he can. Darren Helm, you know he's going to want to get more minutes. There's just a ton of competition. If Evan Rodriguez is playing second line or third line left winger because Newhook's your second line center, well, now you have Rodriguez in the top nine and someone like Logan O'Connor on the outside looking in. 
again, more competition, more opportunities for players to, to really be at their best. And we still haven't even mentioned guys like Mikhail Maltsev, Sampo Ranta, Martin Kau, maybe someone they bring in on a PTO. Just competition up and down the lineup. Starting with training camp, tons of players are going to be are going to want to be part of this because you know those last three names I mentioned, Maltsev, Ranta, and Kau. Those dudes are coming into training camp because with a chip on their shoulder because you know they're kicking themselves, thinking if I was just a little bit better last year, my name would be on the Stanley Cup. Especially someone like Maltsev. Like that guy was acquired to be the fourth line center. And that was the role that was expected. And he was overtaken by Darren Helm and all these other guys. And then they had to bring up Abe Kubel from waivers. They had to claim him because Maltsev just wasn't cutting it. So these guys are going to come in with a chip on their shoulder too. Competitions galore. Love Put it. Put some excitement into training camp. Would it, would it surprise you, Arif, if I told you, or maybe you already knew this, Evan Rodriguez is a former assistant captain when he uh played at his days at bu doesn't surprise me this team loves their leaders and, and they're going to bring in a ton of them he fits the mold doesn't he fits he does. the mold two-way player um, two-way forward just just everything about it just makes so much sense i really like the uh the little tidbit you pointed out about the uh the shots on goal averaging three a game that sounds like a prop that yeah 200, 243 shots. It's a little under three a game. 246 would be three a game, but th- that's a, that's an incredible number for a depth forward. 243 shots. It's a lot a of play, shots. A player prop for all of us to uh, keep our eyes on once the season starts, especially if you're betting on Superbook Sports. Football is back, and nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands. And now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000 no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Visit SuperbookSports.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I mean, uh, that little tidbit gets me excited. I'm ready. I'm ready to take the over on Evan Rodriguez. Era. Where do, do you, you I, I, I like the idea. Where do you, where do you predict 243 shots ranked in the NHL last year among everybody, defensemen and forwards? Uh, has to, I would say the top third. Give me a, give me a place. Is that too broad? Too That's broad? way too broad. There's like a thousand players in the NHL last year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll say 333. 333. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> over. 243 shots. Do you know how many that is? I was just saying the top third. That's all I was going for. All right. Top well, third. He was 29th in the NHL. That was close. I was right. Yeah. Oh, you were right without going over. You went way the fuck right. over. But you, you get the point. He was 29th in the NHL. If there's one player per team, he's the top of one of the top 30 teams. He had a lot of shots on goal. And it's such a very minuscule and, and random stat to kind of focus on. But it makes, but it, it it matters. It genuinely does. Like the guys above him were Ehlers, Kadri, and Kempe. Kempe had thirty five goals. Kadri, we know what he did, and Ehlers, a twenty eight goal scorer. Like he was up there with goal scorers. Svechnikov, thirty goals, two hundred forty nine shots. Jonathan Marchessault, thirty goals, two hundred fifty one shots, and he had two forty three. It's it's a very big number for me because it's it brings a different touch to the Avalanche that. Yes, we're talking about him being a playmaker. Yes, we're talking about him being a guy that's going to kind of lean on those other forwards to score. 
but if he needs to shoot, he can shoot. And if he's, you know, does a little bit better than the 7.8 percentage he did last year, that's 25 goals. No, I think that's a good little tidbit. I wasn't really aware of how many times he put the puck on it because you look at his stats and you see the assist heavy. You think, right, he's a playmaker. He's going to he's gonna help a lot of guys score. But if he's putting the puck on net that many times, and he's also a shooter, and he can easily break his career high of goals, which was 19. Um, and, putting, obviously, and putting the puck on net also means generating rebounds for all those other guys that can score goals. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I don't follow shots on goal, Yeah, I guess, as much as I should. Yeah, of the top 50 players in the NHL to have, you know, of the top 50 players in the NHL in shots, he also played the, the least amount, 15-50 per game. So he makes the most of his ice time. He puts the puck on goal as many times as possible, and, and it's it's a good thing to have. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Being a, it's, I think it's a sign of a smart hike. Smart hockey player right there. High IQ, right? Yep. He knows when to shoot. He knows when to pass. So He knows when to shoot. He knows when to pass. And, and it's a player that, you know, let's face it. Rodriguez isn't the kind of guy that's going to be, you know, loaded with skill. Well, the only way to make your own offense and, and generate points is to put the puck on goal because it's it's a it's a disc that bounces on ice. Like, it's you have to generate your own opportunities and your own luck. And the best way to do that is to put the shot on goal. It's You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, and he takes a ton of them. I always think of Tyson Berry, how he's going to be, you know, maybe even the only player in history that got to play with Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, and now Connor McDavid. Evan Rodriguez kind of has that similar gloat, right? He played with both Crosby and McKinnon. It's going to be interesting to kind of get his opinions and his point of view on playing and the differences between the two, right? Yeah, he also had a uh, short stint with the Toronto Maple Leafs that resulted in exactly zero games because the Maple Leafs traded him as soon as they got him. So that would have been cool. He would have gotten to play with Matthews too. But yeah, I think uh, that that's a big one as well. He got to play with Crosby and Malkin, and now he's he's got Nathan McKinnon. Um, we'll get more into Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby in a second here. But first, got to look at rookie camp, uh, or I guess rookie showcase, the rookie showcase tournament that in went on San in San Jose, Jose yeah. this past weekend, right? Um, it was exciting to to see Avalanche players playing Avalanche games again. Uh, of course, you know there's always a, a grain of salt you need to watch rookie showcases with, but there's usually a handful of guys that we're watching. And I think in this particular rookie showcase, those guys are Ben Myers, Sampo Ranta, Eustace Annan. Those are the three that really stood out, and and they should, right? These guys have. AHL and NHL experience in, in Ben Myers' case. So um, I, I just wanted to point out that those guys were definitely the, the standouts. I think Ranta was my favorite that I watched through the weekend. Not only did he show a lot of speed, a lot of smarts, but he had a little bit of grit, especially against San Jose. Not sure what it was about, but San Jose was really getting in his grill. Um, ben Myers, he looked he looked bored out there to me, Arif. He looked, <laughs> he looked like he was frustrated with the low... Um, risk that uh, other players were willing to take right maybe a, a pass that an NHLer is confident in making maybe these rookies aren't so confident in making it and I, I just reading body language or maybe that's just Ben Myers he you know he is kind of an awkward guy maybe yeah. he just has a weird way of showing his body language but that's kind of what I read into it I think he's ready to, to jump into uh, some serious NHL games and and not be considered so much a rookie if you see the way that guy celebrated his first NHL goal last year in his debut and then compare it to the way he talks to us in the media room. It's it's a different human. It is not the same person. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I could see that coming from Ben Myers. He's ready to take that next step. You play four years in college, you're ready to play with the pros. And and he got a nice little taste of it. And then obviously was not 
uh, eligible to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs and, and you know, had to watch as the Avalanche raised the cup and he's sitting there like, I, I want to get on the ice. I want to be part of this. So I could see that. And the Sampo Ranta thing doesn't surprise me either because, again, chip on his shoulder. This guy, like, you know, made his way down the depth chart last year, which think about it. In 2021, when the Avalanche lost to Vegas, all we talked about was them losing depth. They lost, you know, Calvert retired and Belmar left and Brandon Saad left and Giannis Donskoy left and they lost all this depth. And we're like, all right, yeah, the young guys, it's time for them to step up. New Hook and Ranta. Well, you go into the following season, New Hook steps up. Ranta not only kind of stays in his position, he he drops down the depth chart. He gets passed by guys like Nicolas Abe-Kubel, and, uh, you know, the Avalanche have to go out and acquire a depth forward in Andrew Cogliano at the deadline because Ranta just didn't have a place in the lineup. He played 10 games last year and was a non-factor, and it was only because of injuries. So, uh, you know, he, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he's going to play like that from the first day of, of rookie showcase. And, and I, I like to hear that. I don't want to hear that Sampo Ranta is having a very dull and boring showcase because this is a guy that needs to prove throughout the entire camp, both rookie camp, rookie showcase, and training camp, that he's coming ready to play because this is maybe his last opportunity to be an Av. I just love the rookie showcase. It's such a novel idea, and I like the way they run it. They they have to bring their rookies, right? I mean, you wouldn't think that a guy like Eustace Annanen, who was on the ice for the Stanley Cup, right? He can be the only yeah. one in that tournament that says, I'm a Stanley Cup champion already. Okay. Who are all you guys? Um, but no, you have to use, like, Quinton Byfield, we got to see him for uh, playing for the Kings, right? So the, the way that these teams use their big names, as well as maybe, uh, you know, give a chance to some rookies that, that maybe uh, weren't going to be on the training camp list otherwise I, I just love the way they run these tournaments and I love seeing that little sample size of sample ranta it's, it's a sample sa- sample a sample <laughs> a, sample. A, a sample um yeah little sample size of, of Ben Myers you know I remember years past looking at Alex Kerfoot when he was coming in and, and getting to draw up some excitement for that so I don't d- did Kale McCarr play in the showcase I don't remember because he came in. I don't think so because he came in in the playoffs and then the next year there was no way they were going to put him anywhere near anything that didn't matter. (laughs) So He's the one exception, but he's always an exception. He's an exception in many ways. Yeah. Um, Um, So, yeah, that's rookie camp in my eyes. Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, Eustace Annan went from being the backup goalie on the bench for the game that sent the avalanche to the Stanley Cup final to (laughs) playing against a bunch of no name guys. Like, who are these people? Well, and I think that does good for his confidence too, right? When you step yeah. on the ice and you're, you, you know, you're the goalie and you have that that big of a pair swinging between your legs, I think it's it only does good <laughs> things for your game. Yeah, uh, he's gonna have quite the competition for the Colorado Eagles crease this year with Jonas Johansson. I just love remembering <laughs> that he is back in Denver. He is he is a nice guy, and it looks like McFarland and Sackick just like him, like his character. But, uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see Eustace Annan taking a part in this, obviously, Sample Ranta, Ben Myers. Those are the big names that you want to stick out, and, and they did. Yep, exactly, exactly. So uh, I guess with that, we're heading into training camp. Actually, let's, let's take a quick break here for our buddies over at Total Beverage because they deserve it. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know that they deliver? Did you know that, Arif? Did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need, and more. 
let's get into camp, right? I mean, that's that's what's next. We've got media day. We'll be coming to you after media day, but that podcast is going to be solely focused on media day itself. So here's our chance to, to I guess, preview, get into training camp a little bit. Uh, I think we've touched on a few things, but um, yeah, what, what else are you looking forward to seeing this week? Thursday is when it starts. Uh, the other thing I'm looking forward to is is the goaltending. I mean, we're talking about all the changes up front, and uh, we haven't even mentioned yet that Darcy Kemper is gone. He's in Washington. They posted that picture of him and Kale McCarr saying hi to each other, and it kind of tugs on your heart a little bit. But, uh, you know, Alexander Georgiev's the new guy in town, and I'm really, really interested in seeing where this guy goes. Uh, one Ryan Clark, former member of the Avalanche Media, says that of the three goalies the Avalanche had have had the last three years, he believes that Georgiev is the best one now already. He believes Georgiev is the best one, and that's without even you know, unboxing this mystery box that we've been talking about all summer. I like him a lot. Um, so just to tease it, I guess, I'm working on a piece where I'm breaking down. I'm going back and watching all the condensed games of Alexander Gorgiev last year. Um, not going to watch the full games, but the condensed ones, so I get a good idea of, of how he plays and what he looks like. That article is going to be out hopefully on Tuesday this week, so look out for that. But get, getting a good in-depth analysis of him these last couple weeks I guess it's been a week um I I can I can see how he can come to that conclusion I think it's too early to really say that let's see him play some games in an half sweater I think it's always different from for a goaltender to jump behind a brand new defense and a brand new team and and come out of the gate strong so we'll see how he adapts but I I can see that being a possibility I, I the the comparison I have for him is I think if you mix if you smashed Varlamov and Bernier into one goaltender, you get Alexander Gorgiev. He's not the biggest guy, but he's got a ton of athleticism. Again, I'm going to break this all down, so I don't want to spoil my article. So look out for that later this week. But um, I, I can see that. I like his game. I'm excited to see what he looks like at training camp and um, how he kind of starts to mesh with the defense in front of him. Yeah, and, and that's the that's the big one for me. It's 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 going to be a big storyline to watch. The Avalanche have a 26-year-old starting goaltender. So this is a young guy that they've pretty much handed the crease to, and I'm really, really interested in seeing how he does. Yep, yeah. I mean, we, and we've talked about the competitions. We've talked about the uh, bubble players in, in podcast past, right? I mean, we were just spending a bunch of time on Sampo Ranta, and that's exactly, I think, a spot that we, we got to keep an eye on, those those scratch positions, right? The guys who barely make the the roster or, you know, every single year there's an opening night roster guy who you didn't expect to be there. So who, who impresses at camp enough to be that guy? Um, and I'm just excited to get back there, right? Hear the sounds of the puck, the sounds of the coaches yelling at the players and just seeing all the familiar faces that we're so used to seeing. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and, and just a little uh, weird little tidbit. Uh, Evan Rodriguez had seven shots well, no, he had a lot more than seven shots. But in the two games that, <laughs> sir, <laughs> let me, okay, let, take two. Let me try this again. <laughs> Alexander Georgiev came into games twice last year in the playoffs. He played 20 minutes and 40 minutes of games three and four against the Pittsburgh Penguins in their first round series. In those two games, Evan Rodriguez had seven shots. Four of them were on Sir Alexander Georgiev, and he scored a goal on him. So it's cool to see that those two guys have a little bit of a connection. Um, but to go back to Georgiev, I mean, there's competition there too with Pavel Francouz. Um, I know Georgiev is pretty much the guy that the Avalanche have said, this is our starter. They gave him the big money deal, $3.4 and everything. But I mean, 
what is it about Pavel Francouz that's going to sit back and be like, yeah, he's a starter and I'm the backup? Why would he think like that? He's an NHL player. He's a competitive athlete, and he's going to want to come in and, and be the guy as well. So Georgiev's gotten the reins. He's got the blessings of the team. He's got the blessings of the big contract to come in and be the number one goalie. But he's also going to have somebody breathing down his neck. Yep, yep. Competition's galore. Even on a championship team, people still fighting for their spot. And you're right. Pavel Francouz isn't going to lay down and just say, yeah, Ned's yours. I'm just here to... to be here when you can't. Um, no, I, I, I expect friendly competition, but definitely competition. Pavel Francouz wants to prove still that, hey, I'm, I can still be a viable goaltender here. You guys skipped right over me and didn't even give me the shot. He's going to want the shot. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I don't think Pavel's got any bad blood with the team, but I do know that he's, he's going to really take that competition. He's, he's going to really have that competitive nature to, to be the guy. Um, all right. Well, as we... Start to wrap up the the podcast here. I wanted to maybe introduce a, a potential new segment here. We're going to call it the Extra Attacker. Let's see how long we can make this one ride. <laughs> Every time we get a gimmicky segment, it kind of flames out. So let's see how it goes. But Extra Attacker, the concept behind this is we're essentially pulling a news tidbit from another media outlet, whether it's someone close by or somewhere in, way out deep in Canada. I think <laughs> it's appropriate to start this this week's uh, extra attacker with 32 thoughts, right? The kings of national media, as it were. Yeah, the uh, episode that they released today, Sunday morning, they had Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby in separate segments, uh, being interviewed, obviously, by Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. And, and listening to both of them was really fascinating. Starting with Crosby, listening to him talk about, you know, Nathan McKinnon finally winning and how cool it was to see that. And, uh, how you know he's he's a he was he felt much different in in the offseason coming off of a Stanley Cup championship and I think Elliot asked him at one point like was he a lot happier this time around and and Sydney's or or you know is, is he a happier person now and Sydney's like oh god no no I did not say that he was happy for the first week and then he went back to the grumpy Nate he always was so that was cool to see that and Nate's interview was really fascinating he talked a lot about how um, he talked a lot about how good it felt to win, but he talked about how it just made him hungrier to do more. He, he had a lot of cool things in there that he mentioned. He mentioned, you know, how losing kind of helped him and how he, he, he's like, I, I don't know if, you know, people believe in this kind of stuff, but he like straight up made the example. He said, I think that losing game five to St. Louis set us up because, we were able to lose game five to St. Louis and come back and win game six. And had we not done that, losing game five against Tampa Bay would have been much harder. He mentioned that as an example. Uh, he mentioned how it was a lot easier to talk to Sidney Crosby because they had both won now rather than like, you know, coming into the offseason pissed off that he'd lost and Sidney Crosby's won all these things. Obviously, we all remember the year prior uh, when he was interviewed by Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick on this exact same show. Uh, you know, there was a segment where Friedman or Jeff Merrick sat there listing off like, you know, you've done this and you've done that. And like McKinnon literally stopped and was like, I haven't won anything. Look at Sid. Like he always wants to compare himself to Sidney Crosby. And it's it's such a special thing to have from your top player and, and a competitor like that. And I thought that was a great, great thing as well. But listening to him and listening to Crosby both talk about Nathan McKinnon winning is is something that is definitely worth your time and something you should listen to. Yeah, and I guess for Avalanche fans' sake, it's a good thing Sidney Crosby has more than one cup, right? Because then Nathan McKinnon's still going to be hungry to catch up. To, yep, he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna want to get the, the 
at least three. Um, and then, uh, wasn't there another one you had for us? Yeah, but really quick, going back to the McKinnon thing, a couple more things. There's a quote from Michael Russo from from that same day, the media day in Vegas, where uh, another extra attacker. Ooh, yeah, look at us. yeah. So Nathan McKinnon was asked about getting to work out with Sidney Crosby this summer, and he said, "Nah, Sidney worked out with me a little bit." So <laughs> love that a little bit. Love the little banter there. But the other thing he mentioned, and and I don't think you've listened to it yet, but the other thing he mentioned was uh, Nazem Kadri when he signed in Calgary. He came into the group chat with the team, and he basically was like, "You know, I love you guys. Uh, thank you guys so much, but uh, you know, I don't give any freebies." you know, when I'm on the other team and then he just left the group chat, <laughs> like just basically told them I'm going to fuck you up when I'm in Calgary and just <laughs> left the group chat. Like the, he, he was like, and it was so typical of Nazem Kadri to do it that way. He didn't even give everybody a chance to be like, farewell. See you later. He just literally just like, I love you guys. Thanks. I'm not going to give you any freebies on the other side and just left. And and I thought that was really cool. Nazem Kadri has left the chat. Um, that reminds me of Cody McLeod. I remember the day he was traded away from Colorado and coincidentally had a, his next game in Colorado when he was with the, the Predators. Fought Jerome McGinley. And fought Jerome McGinley, sure. But they interviewed him uh, pregame before. They did it on the radio. And it was a really good classic Cody McLeod. And he kind of had that same vibe as he hung up the phone. I think he said something along the lines of, like, you know, I'm still the player I am. I'm still going to play my game. And ended it with, boom. That's how he said it. He said, <laughs> boom, and then hung up. <laughs> what a guy. I always remember the Cody McLeod trade because he was traded for a guy named Felix Gerard. Don't know who he is. Don't know where he is now. But he was the first Gerard the Avalanche ever acquired. So, yeah, just a weird little stat there. Um, Cool. Well, I guess that'll do it. One last little housekeeping we announcement. We do have one more, actually. We do have oh, one yeah. more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You had the other one. Yeah. The, ex- the, the other, other one, one was the Pierre Lebrun one. So we all knew during the summer that Matthew Three Kuchuk, extra attackers. Three extra attackers in, in our first week. Look at that. We're Coming out with a bang. Yeah. Love that. Let's see how long it lasts. But um, Might be the last one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, but we all know during the offseason when Matthew Kachuk basically made it clear to the Calgary Flames that he wanted out. Uh, he gave the Flames a list of teams that he was willing to accept a sign and trade for. And it was rumored that Florida, Vegas, and St. Louis were three of those teams that he basically said, if you trade me to one of these teams, I'm willing to do a sign and trade, basically you know, maximize my value. Um, which I always think is interesting, by the way, because if you're a player getting traded, why would you want to maximize your value? Because if you're maximizing your value, you're making your new team weaker. Like, wouldn't you want to get traded to Florida without them having to give up Uyghur and just Huberto maybe? Like, it's a very fascinating thing. But according to Pierre Lebrun, when he wrote an article, he wrote an article about how the New Jersey Devils tried to inquire about uh, Matthew Kachuk after they lost out on Goudreau and basically were told that they were not on the list. And then Pierre Lebrun went to say, I believe that the list of teams that Kachuk made clear to Calgary that he was willing to accept the sign and trade were... Tampa, Florida, Carolina, Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado. So this guy that the Avalanche 100% couldn't have afforded, 100% couldn't have made work, looked at the Avs, looked at what they did in the Stanley Cup final, looked at the karaoke of all the small things, of all the fans and everything that was happening, and said, hey, that sounds like fun. I want to be a part of that. I thought that was really cool as well. I agree, but that just doesn't sound fair to the rest of the league. I'm okay with how it how it played out because Matt Chuck on this team. I mean, that's kind of the piece they're missing, right? The bruiser, the guy that can mess some people up. Remember, but, remember. Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 
backpedaling a little bit. I, I understand there's some guys here that can do that. But man, that would have just been a nice addition. He's 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 so different than 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 the average NHL star is today. He's Brendan Shanahan of this generation. He's a guy that can hit, score. He's gonna score a ton of goals in his career and he's gonna have a ton of pims with it. He's gonna have a ton of fights with it. Uh, you know, ton of fights relative to how many fights there are nowadays in the NHL. He's he's just such a different player than you find in the average NHL star nowadays. He's a unicorn. Um, but yeah, I mean, 2008, the Detroit Red Wings won the Stanley Cup and then signed Mirian Hosa. So, you know, teams have done that before. So it would have been cool to see him stack up with that guy, but obviously it wouldn't have been possible. I agree. I agree. That would have been nuts. Um, but I think they're okay without him. Yeah. Um, my last little bit before we get out of here. Arif, is exciting news and exciting announcement. Ooh, look at the that. return the, of the calendars. Oh, 2.0. I made them a little bit better this year. They're full magnet on the back. So um, if you're at training camp, come say hi. Come get one of these calendars. Otherwise, we'll find out a good method to distribute these like we did last year. Hell yeah. Let's hope that this year there's no COVID pass that shits on half the calendar halfway through the season. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It was like a week that got messed up. But no, you can't win a Stanley Cup and then go and do something different, right? Absolutely. I, I, Absolutely. Part of me thinks that these calendars yeah. had something to do with the you know with the victory. You, you know where that money for marketing came from. It came from closing a house for me three months ago. Look at that. I'm paying for everybody's calendars. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, on that note, let's get excited about training camp. It's finally here. Um, again, we'll see you guys after media day. Hopefully a very media-centric podcast for you guys. It'll be a quick one, but just to check in from how the day went. And then, uh, of course, we'll be hitting you all week long with videos and podcasts throughout training camp. So thanks for hanging out with us, Arif. Closing thoughts before we get out of here for the week. At the point, at the time that we're recording this, it hasn't been made official, but we are expecting media day to be Wednesday and training camp to start Thursday. We've been kind of mentioning that throughout the podcast, but none of that has been official. None of that's been announced. We're just kind of expecting that to be the case. By the time you listen to this, that might already be released by the Avs. Oh. Nothing up, just just that little announcement. That, that was it. Yeah, just wanted okay. to say, just in case it ends up being like Thursday's media day and Friday's camp starts, like we're we're going based off of like our prediction. Right. Educated Years guess. past. Yeah. This is year number nine for me. Let's get it going. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us. Let's have a fun season together, and we're looking forward to uh, strapping in and being here all year long. So, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. And we at you.